Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I would like to present to you the world champion of the world podcast. It's your man, Qualified, a.k.a. the Black Ric Flair, a.k.a. the Black American Dream, a.k.a. the most over mid-card talent on the west side of Oahu. Hey, guys. uh, I missed a week, but now I'm back like I left something. Uh, We're going to do this week's episode a little bit different uh, format-wise than what we usually do. Uh, Not really going to do a full breakdown of Raw and SmackDown. I actually didn't get a chance to watch NXT or ROH this week. But uh, we're just going to jump right into the pay-per-view. And I'm going to count the pay-per-view, the WWE pay-per-view tonight. Is kind of like the the mix uh, Raw and SmackDown. My observations uh, for the two main roster shows are gonna kind of all just be in my pay per view recap, and then we're gonna do a little quick recap of Impact Wrestling this week, and then I am gonna jump into because I promised you guys since I missed last week, uh, gonna jump into fantasy booking for the women's division of world champion of the world wrestling um so here we go uh first match um this actually surprised me uh hell in a cell it was on the pre-show i was thinking that it would be a main roster or a main show match especially uh seeing as how we had a whole tournament um dedicated to uh, finding out who was going to be the New Day's opponents for Hell in a Cell, and turns out that uh, it's not even on the, the main show. Um, so the New Day beat Rusev Day. Um, what surprised me about this match, uh, well, besides it being on the pre-show, is, well, basically that was it, the, the pre-show. Why put in that time, uh, invest that time, and then have Rusev Day go over the bar on SmackDown uh, to be the number one contenders for the title. Why have them go over uh, just to lose on the pre-show? That doesn't seem like uh, that, like a a move up. Um, The Rusev Day losing, uh, or Rusev Day winning the tag team tournament with that much uh, TV time invested in it and everything uh, seems. I mean, I know it was only a couple weeks, but uh, you know they did uh, they did an announcement uh, like online and and everything. They had Paige cut a promo, put it on her Twitter, <laughs> all that stuff. The selfie promos that they do. Um, it seemed like there was some sort of investment in Rusev Day, uh, and to have them go over, uh, like, because if they wanted it to be on the main show, you know, uh, the Usos were in that tournament, uh, and the bar. So those are the two, I would say, um, the two biggest name tag teams on SmackDown outside of the New Day and um you know Rusev Day neither neither one of them were able to make the finals but Rusev Day was it seems like 
you would put Rusev Day on the the main show. But uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm wrong. Apparently, I was very wrong because uh, Rusev Day lost on the pre-show. Um, and then you had New Day pop back up on the show later uh, just to announce that they are going to be challenging the bar at the Super Showdown in Australia, which, uh, I don't know, why not just have that match on Hell in a Cell? Uh, the New Day wins, and then you have the rematch at the Super Showdown. Um, and you can kind of make it a feud type thing to where that the Super Showdown actually has some sort of meaning. But uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see, what else happened? Uh, so the first match of the actual show... Uh, was Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy. So this past uh, Tuesday on SmackDown, Jeff Hardy had cut a great promo saying that basically he was going to do whatever it took to beat Randy Orton in the Hell in a Cell, that he was going to unleash years of pain, hurt, and suffering and and uh, and take it all out on Randy Orton and, we, uh, and, and win the match. Uh, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy had a had a crazy Hell in a Cell match, uh, crazy way to kick off the pay-per-view. Uh, we will all be cringing and throwing up in our mouths for the rest of our days uh, when we think back to that screwdriver spot with Randy Orton sticking it in um, the gauge hole paws of Jeff Hardy in his ear and twisting it all around. And oh my God, just saying that out loud, uh, my stomach turned. Uh, so holy Christ, uh, that was crazy. Um, the match ends. Uh, Jeff Hardy was hanging from the cell, uh, basically like monkey bar style, um, swinging back and forth. Was gonna drop down through a table on Randy Orton. Uh, Randy Orton dives out of the way at the last minute, and Jeff Hardy crashes through the table on his own. Um, and then Jeff Hardy is selling, or possibly legit hurt, you never know, uh, selling hurt, and Randy Orton insists on pinning him for the one, two, three. I'm guessing that if that's the case, then it was a sell job, but holy hell, that looked brutal. Um, Randy Orton, heel Randy Orton is amazing, uh, He's killing it right now, so we'll see. Uh, next match, Becky Lynch. What a pop. She wins uh, the SmackDown women's title, beats Charlotte Flair. Uh, so the past few weeks, we know that they've been going back and forth. Uh, looks like they've been trying to get... I Honestly, it's tough to tell what's going on. One moment, it looked like they were uh, really riding out the... Becky Lynch heel turn, but no matter what she does, uh, she gets more cheers. Um, so Becky won uh, tonight against Charlotte Flair, and they did a bit at the end of the match. Um, Charlotte is basically crying and uh, pretty broken up about losing the belt. Um, 
Becky refuses the handshake and she's like, I'm not going to be in your shadow anymore. Um, so I don't know that to me, that would seem heelish, uh, because Charlotte hasn't actively talked down on Becky and tried to put her in her place. Uh, they did have that sit down, uh, paper or that sit down interview where they went back and forth and, um, you know, Charlotte kind of said, like, you have to earn it. You don't deserve anything you didn't earn. Uh, but to me, that didn't seem like, uh, that didn't seem heelish. That didn't seem like she was talking down on Becky. Um, it just seemed like actual facts. Uh, but who knows? We'll see. Um, because when people just aren't feeling Charlotte. So, uh, they they might hear it and take that as uh, a, a different take that a different way um you know somebody somebody that you do like can say certain things to you that somebody that you don't like can't say you know what i mean so uh i feel like that's that's kind of where the fans are uh with charlotte um next up we have uh Drew and Dolph uh, from Dogs of War, I guess is what their name is. Uh, they beat the Shields. Um, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Now, I had uh, I had tweeted this out earlier. Uh, I had a whole scenario where I thought that the Shield uh, could add a member in and Finn Balor tonight uh didn't happen obviously still think it could happen on Raw but after it didn't happen and uh with what happened in the main event which we'll get to in a little bit um with all of that I I don't see it happening um but I was thinking that perhaps leading up to Survivor Series Finn Balor could join the Shield um the way I would have had it happening was uh, in this match, starting off in this match, um, the Shield would basically have the match one. Uh, Baron Corbin comes down to get involved somehow, shenanigans, and and help uh, the Dogs of War keep their tag title belts. And then when Baron Corbin's getting involved, the demon or you know mr too sweet himself finn balor comes down to the ring neutralizes corbin um allows the shield to win the belts and then uh from there going into monday night raw perhaps you have uh, you know baron corbin complaining about this says uh that they're gonna that it's gonna be the dogs of war and himself versus the shield and balor and then Kevin Owens uh, comes and helps out the Dogs of War because, you know, he's Kevin Owens. He can do whatever he wants right now. Uh, and that leads to Kurt Angle returning. Um, he wants his job back. Which I think we still could possibly see that coming back. Uh, with, and well, I'll get to that uh, when we get to the main event. But, um, but yeah, and then you have, uh, you know, Angle pop up and 
basically uh, match is uh, set up five on five for Survivor Series. Uh, you could have it basically be for control of Raw because Angle wants his job back, and the Shield is backing up Angle, and so is Finn Balor because he's had issues with. Uh, Baron Corbin, he wants him out of there. This can put a bow on their issues. Both of them can move on to something else. Uh, Dogs of War can continue to beef. And, uh, you know, for for Survivor Series, for the uh, elimination match, you could have all the members of Braun's team get eliminated early. Then Braun run through... Uh, Braun run through everybody, start eliminating them, picking them off. Uh, comes down to Braun and Angle, uh, but when there's a ref bump, ref gets distracted. The shield comes down, triple power bombs Braun through the announce table. Angle gets the count out win um, for the good guys to get control of Raw, but the Dogs of War and the Shield can continue to feud. So that was that was how I thought it could play out. I still think it might be able to play out that way, but uh, we have very slim chances of it doing so. Uh, but who knows? Um, let's see here. The next up. Uh, oh, and uh, Dolphin Drew, they did win, uh, but it was a little bit controversial. So that so we know that the feud is going to continue. Basically, um, Dolph was unconscious and got lucky and fell on Seth and that's how he won they were both out so uh we'll see uh how this feud continues from there uh next up AJ Styles beat Samoa Joe this feud's definitely going to continue um we know as much because Paige with her new fire haircut showed up backstage during the pay-per-view uh, addresses Joe and lets him know that he will get his rematch at the Super Showdown in Australia, Sydney, Australia. Um, what happened here, uh, Samoa Joe uh, lost, but he had locked in the Coquina Clutch on AJ. Uh, basically, AJ kind of flipped over um, and pinned Samoa Joe's so- shoulders to the mat. But it looks like he um, he flipped over and pinned his shoulders to the mat. But it looks like he also tapped, hit the mat. Uh, the referee's decision is final. So Paige said, you know, we can't do anything about it. He wins. Uh, ref counted to three. But it does look like AJ, uh, they are trying to play it up that AJ tapped out. So, uh, so controversial. Uh, perhaps Joe wins at, uh, in Australia. I think that Joe will win at Survivor Series. Um, but we'll see, because are they even going to have the Survivor Series matches? Who knows? Uh, like, title matches, or is, or is it going to be like, you know, is are we going to see AJ versus Roman instead? Uh, let's see. Miz and Maurice beat Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. Uh, So this was one of the matches that I was the most excited about going into the pay-per-view, the build. 
uh, Brie, from Brie Bella's return and the punch that she landed on The Miz. Just all of that was great to me. Um, this match kind of... Uh, it was cool, but there were... Uh, there were cool parts, but then it was also... Uh, seemed like it was kind of hindered. Maurice is a million steps slower than she was previously. Um, and there just seemed to be, like, some off moments. Uh, like, Brian was supposed to cut off The Miz, and he was a little bit late, so The Miz just kind of had to stop himself. Uh, and everybody just kind of had to stop. It was weird. Uh, there was the roll, like, the actual finish, the roll-up, uh, the pin. It just it just seemed like it took forever for it to to happen. Um, I don't know, it was just, there were just some off spots here. Um, this, uh, it's been a whole lot better on the mic and I guess on paper than in execution. Um, maybe it's because the, the women are so far removed from being regular in-ring competitors and then just jumping in. I don't know, but I, and plus I don't want to seem like a jerk blaming the women, but I don't know. There's just something that's a little bit off, and uh, uh, looks. Of course, this feud is continuing because uh, Brie Bella and da- Daniel Bryan haven't won yet. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, with this this little detour in the in the Daniel Bryan and Miz feud. Uh, I was enjoying it previously, but now after this pay-per-view match, uh, soured on it a little bit, and I hope that, uh, something happens that, uh, I can enjoy again. Um, let's see here. Second to the last match, Ronda Rousey beats Alexa Bliss. Now, Monday night, this was the first, uh, uh, they, they basically for the first time ever had ronda rousey get hurt um so she was going into this matchup with her ribs not 100 percent uh so they had alexa targeting the ribs throughout uh solid solid idea solid psychology for the match uh i like that idea um it wasn't the prettiest match. It didn't always... I don't know if it was Ronda selling or if it's Alexa too or just a combination of them both. Um, not everything looked right <laughs> uh, in this match, but it doesn't have to in a Ronda match. Uh, she just has that charisma, that presence. Um, and when she's able to flip that switch and give that expression uh that it's really time to fuck shit up it uh it just works um so and she's not completely overexposed yet so um so it's still working it's still working pretty well um so i i i enjoyed it it wasn't my favorite match it wasn't my favorite ronda match uh but but i did enjoy it um the Nia Jax Ronda Rousey match uh, I liked a little bit more than this one, um, but but I still enjoyed the match. Uh, I'm still waiting for Natty to turn on Ronda. Uh, I still think that's where we're gonna get the best stuff uh, to date from Ronda. 
but uh, we'll see. Uh, so finally, the main event, Brock Lesnar. I just gave it away. Brock Lesnar shows up, and uh, it goes to a no contest between Reigns and Braun Strowman. Uh, Brock comes in and beats everybody up, kicks the door off the hinges, so Brock is still around. He has not gone off into the sunset, uh, and Brock will uh, presumably be wanting his title back. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, like, in the moment, it was interesting, and I, I did pop for Brock. I was hype. Uh, but then when I think about it, it's just like, well, what's going to happen? Is, isn't he going to the UFC? Uh, just what are we doing? Are we going back to this Brock stuff? Are we going back to Brock versus uh, Roman? I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see, I don't necessarily want to see Brock versus Strowman. Um, I would rather see Brock versus Bobby Lashley, actually. Personally. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know what this means. I don't know what we're gonna. I don't know what we're gonna get going forward. But I am interested. Uh, beyond that, uh, just some kind of final thoughts on Raw and SmackDown before we jump into TNA here. Uh, Impact. Um, Vince McMahon seems to have softened his stance on managers. Uh, we've had Drake Maverick pop up with AOP. Uh, just this past Monday, we had Leo Rush uh, seem to make his debut on Raw with Bobby Lashley. Um, Drew Gulak is popping up. So uh, it seems like the managers are going to be coming from 205 Live, and we're going to have managers. Also, uh, 205 Live talents popping up on, on Raw. Uh, are we going to see Leo Rush eventually wrestle on Raw? Or is he just going to be a manager? And if you don't watch 205 Live, you have no idea that he's actually a dynamite wrestler. Um, I would like to see him team with Lashley uh, for certain events. Or for cer- sometimes I think that would be fun. You don't have to make them the tag champs. Uh, but if they do team together, that would be interesting. Um, or you could make them the tag champs. That would be great, too. Uh Speaking of tag champs, uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable are are teaming together now. Uh, Chad Gable uh, seems to be playing like a a fanboy, like he's just like completely enamored, uh, completely starstruck with with Bobby Roode and thinks he's glorious. Uh, I think it would be fun for them to to kind of play up this gimmick Bobby Roode is kind of like riding Gable's coattails right now I think it would be fun uh for him to keep doing that uh and then start showing more heel more and more heel tendencies uh maybe cheating uh when he gets into the matches uh cheating unbeknownst to Chad Gable then when Chad Gable can't carry him through a match uh, and loses, Rude attacks Gable, uh, that wakes up the, the fiery competitor side, and Chad Gable, um, to come back out, uh, ready, willing, and Gable, he can show his, create, uh, he can show his charisma, 
uh, he and and we can get heal Bobby Roode, which is desperately needed. Um, so yeah, with that, we'll go ahead and jump into Impact. Uh, so uh, with Impact Wrestling, we get a they start to show off. We get a uh, a recap of the week before. Uh, Tessa Blanchard got put into a coffin uh, by Sue Young, and then Kira Hogan and Allie come out, and they make the save, get her out of the coffin. Uh, Tessa says that she doesn't need friends. Um, the Lucha Bros offer Brian Cage the chance to team up with them. Um, Conan and Eddie Kingston sit down with their uh, big OGs, and a ceasefire is negotiated uh, for the battle between LAX and the OGs. Uh, ceasefire until Bound for Glory. Then uh, we see Moose. Uh, he explains that he turned on Eddie Edwards because Eddie didn't check on him when he was in the hospital. Aries says that uh, no one will ever take his title. So Johnny Mundo, or Johnny Impact, uh, comes out and says, you can't say stuff like that and not expect anybody to come out. Uh, so it's going to be Johnny Mundo at Bound for Glory versus Austin Aries for the title. Um, Aries' new backup in Moose and Killer Cross uh, beat down Johnny Mundo. Um hit him with a chair, uh, looks like they took out his neck, his larynx, tried to crush his windpipe, and, uh, and so that's gonna be, uh, so he's, he's out, so he's not, uh, the episode of Impact that we're actually watching this week, he's not there, um, show starts off, uh, Aries and the crew, they come down to the ring, um, there's a gold couch in the ring. Uh, they they say that they're taking everybody out. Uh, Moose says that Eddie hasn't been around in a little bit. Uh, maybe he should check in on Eddie's wife and bring her champagne. That's not nice, Moose. Uh, Aries says, have you seen her? Uh, get her a six-pack. Ouch. Uh, Fala Ba. This music interrupts. Him and KM, they come down to the ring together. Uh, Aries fat shames follow Ba a little bit while saying that they can't fat shame people anymore in 2018. Uh, KM says that he has something on his mind. Um, he says that Aries calls himself the greatest man that ever lived, um, but KM thinks he's a liar. Uh, he says that Ares is a terrible person and a terrible champion. Uh, says that Moose turned his back on his best friend, um, and his name should be Douche. Uh, Ares stops everyone from fighting, and he offers Falaba a title shot tonight. Uh, sticks his hand out for our guy Falaba to shake. Uh, they shake on it. And then Cross and Aries and Moose all leave the ring. Um, next up, the Lucha Bros are going against uh, Caleb Conley and Trevor Lee. Uh, basically, it was just an extended squash match. 
Uh, Pentagon and Phoenix hit a crazy double team move. It's like they landed a destroyer uh, on Conley, like 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 Penta hit uh, hit Phoenix with the destroyer, but they land on Conley. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Trevor Lee, he hits a crazy double stomp uh, move on. Uh, he hits a he hits a crazy double stomp move on Phoenix, um, but. The match ends when uh, the Lucha Bros hit a fear factor on Lee. Uh, OVE pops up on the screen after the match. Uh, they say basically that they're a draw. They put butts in the seats. And they challenge the Lucha Bros and Brian Cage to a match at Bound for Glory. Backstage... Falaba seems like he's uh, reluctant to take the match, and KM is trying to hype him up. Uh, but, you know, Falaba's just not sure. Back from break, uh, KM is like, hey, man, uh, let's find Eli Drake. We need to talk to former champs. We need to get, uh, we need to get that wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so they ask Eli Drake for advice on... Uh, what to do as champs. Uh, Eli Drake says he was going to do a dummy roll call tonight, but Austin Aries uh, already beat him to the punch, so he'll do it next week from Mexico. Eli Drake has no advice for Falaba, except uh, he said he was going to tell him to get a cup, but instead get a bowl. So uh, do with that what you will. Um... Kira Hogan and Allie are talking to Alicia uh, backstage. Allie admits that she doesn't like Tessa, uh, but she won't let what happened to her and what happened to Rosemary and what happened to Madison Rain happen to anyone else. Uh, Allie says that Sue isn't the champ, but her reign of terror is not over. And then the interview just kind of abruptly cuts right there, so I don't know if it was uh, actually over, or what happened there, or if my direct TV was just tripping, uh, so we go to a break, back from break, backstage, Tessa is talking to Alicia, Tessa says that she didn't need any help, uh, she says that she knows the real Allie, Allie is all about herself, uh, and and uh, she's going to expose her. Uh, next up, Katarina versus Alicia. Um, last week, basically, it came out. Katarina is trying, uh, was trying to let Joe Hendry uh, knock that down. But Joe Hendry was like, no, man, we're just friends. And Grado's my bro. Not about that life, shawty. Um, I, don't, I don't think Joe Hendry talks like that. Anyway. Um, I also, uh, so it's Katarina, she's, uh, facing Alicia Edwards. I can't stand Alicia Edwards. I don't know why. Just don't want her on my TV. Sorry, Alicia. And Eddie. Sorry, both of you. Uh, but anyway, um, Grado comes out looking like an 80s drug dealer wearing his tracksuit and fanny pack joe hendry's with him uh joe hendry said he made a music video for katarina uh so we're gonna see what that's about joe hendry uh 
does have a music video and the song uh looks like it's called Excess Denied Excess Denied uh, so basically, he's uh, telling Katarina that he's not trying to rock with her. He drops a fire-ass bar, uh, referencing her past gimmick as Katie Lee Burchill uh, and the whole incest angle uh, between her and Paul Burchill that was dropped. So uh, that was fun. Uh, that That line got a big pop from the crowd as well. Um... After that whole music video, Alicia wins on a quick roll-up, so at least, uh, you know, it wasn't an extended match. I didn't have to see her for that long. Uh, Grado taunts her with an access denied chant, and uh, that's that. Um, backstage, Falaba has a bowl and a glass. Uh, Eli had told him to get both, but, uh, you know, KM was like, hey, he was making fun of you. Uh, just then, we get uh, Scarlet Bordeaux's music hitting and uh, the smoke blast. Um, Scarlet tells them that she loves a big, strong man, and the only thing that she loves more than that is gold. Uh, Falaba is excited about this and breaks the glass in his hand while he's talking to uh, Scarlet. Um... And it seems like Falaba has found sufficient motivation. Um, Josh Matthews then has a FaceTime interview with Johnny Mundo. They show a recap of the beatdown that Mundo suffered. Um, his name's Johnny Impact on the show. I don't know why I keep calling him Mundo. Um, Mundo says that he's damaged, but he's still going to show up at Bound for Glory. Uh, he says that Ares is getting, uh, Ares getting a crew shows he's scared of the 1v1. Uh, so basically Ares is out here calling the goons on the scene like he's Russ. Uh, and he, he's not trying to deal with, uh, he's not trying to deal with Johnny Mundo as Adam 22. No, no. Uh, Johnny Mundo with Smoke Perp, he's out here dolo and, uh, and uh, Russ Aries isn't about that. Um, so after this, there's another match. Uh, some tag team I've never heard of or seen uh, called the Fraternity are out next to take on LAX. Uh, the Fraternity is actually uh, they they do a few um, they do a few moves that's actually that are actually kind of impressive. Uh, Ortiz of LAX pulls a flip-flop out of his pocket and uh, starts slapping the shit out of one of the fraternity dudes with it, so that was funny. Um, it was hilarious, actually. Uh, one of the frat guys does... Uh, he dives out of the ring, dives over the top rope, and hits a cutter on the ramp. That was pretty impressive. Uh, they do a couple other moves that were uh, impressive, uh, but, of course, LAX gets the win. It was mostly a squash, but... It seems like they didn't want to just completely bury these frat guys. I guess maybe they have uh, plans for them in the future, or uh, we're going to see them around on TV more often. Uh, uh, Impact was still taping in Toronto. Uh, these guys are local Canadian 
uh, Canadian guys, so maybe they just wanted them to look strong at home. I'm not sure, uh, but but it was interesting. TNA uh, Impact they do some interesting things in that regard, uh, like how they had Ishimori. Uh, I remember uh, it was it was sometime uh, maybe a couple months back. Uh, they had Ishimori go over in a match against Petey Williams, and Petey Williams is the homegrown talent, the the guy who's going to be there every week. Um, and Ishimori is is not in their promotion, but uh, I don't know. I guess you know the Bullet Club guys just aren't going to do jobs. <laughs> so so we'll see. Um, let's see here. Uh, after, after LAX wins, uh, the match, Eddie Kingston and the OGs pull up, uh, they confront LAX. Uh, Eddie says that he regrets Richie, the little kid that they hit with the car is still breathing. Uh, they threaten the brawl, but nobody fights. Uh, that ceasefire is still in place until Bound for Glory. Um... Aries and the boys are backstage talking to Alicia. Uh, then once again, they tell us that they're taking everybody out one by one. Um, at the rate they're going, there may not even be a Bound for Glory. Uh, backstage, Fala Ba is ready to make it happen. Uh, Rich Swan shows up and uh, hypes Fala Ba up. Uh, and then Matt Seidel shows up out of nowhere and says that he can enlighten uh, Rich Swan. So Rich Swan says, uh, in Mexico, I'm going to enlighten that ass with a whooping. So uh, Rich Swan and Matt Seidel in Mexico next week uh, on Impact. It's going to be a hell of a show. Uh, next out, uh, Congo Kong up against Brian Cage. Uh, Brian Cage right now is legit one of my favorite people to watch, uh, to watch their matches. Um, all of his matches are entertaining. Everything, everything that he's doing right now, uh, it's, it's the, I, I can't think of boring Brian Cage matches on TV. Um, in this match against Congo Kong, he hits an F5 on him. That was just crazy. Uh, I also like how they haven't really let him speak. Uh, they haven't really uh, let him speak since he's been in Impact. Uh, hasn't really spoken too much. Um, in fact, after Brian Cage gets the win in this match, he speaks for the first time in the ring. Uh, he accepts OVE's challenge. Uh, he's going to team with the Lucha Bros versus OVE at Bound for Glory. So after Slammiversary, I'm not missing Bound for Glory. I'm purchasing Bound for Glory. I will be watching Bound for Glory. It's going down. Uh, who wants to watch with me? Let me know. Send me a DM on Twitter, at Champ Podcast. Uh, let's see here. Backstage. Uh, before the main event, Fala Ba is headed to the ring. Grado and Joe Hendry stop him to cheer him on. Allie and Kira Hogan are there as well. Uh, there's a bunch of referees there. Uh, everyone is trying to hype him up. Um, I've said for weeks that I dislike KM and Fala Ba, but they finally grown on me. Uh, all their segments backstage in this particular episode of Impact Wrestling just finally put them over the top. Um, the main event goes down. 
And of course, Ares wins. Uh, there's a funny spot where Ares uh, tires Falaba out. He's running the ropes and doing drop downs and having uh, Falaba hop over him and continue running. Um, and he blows Falaba up that way. Uh, Ares tried to do the brain buster and basically threw his whole back out. Falaba hits his own uh, big suplex. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, Aries wins with the last chancery. Um, Aries and Cross and Moose then beat down Falaba and KM. Um, it's uh, it's interesting, or uh, well, it's uh, it's easy to see. There's the there's rumors going around now that. Uh, WWE is very interested in Killer Cross. Uh, it's easy to see why they would be interested in Killer Cross. Um, just looking at him, I could totally see this guy feuding with Roman Reigns. Like I could see, you know, Monday Monday nights them just going back and forth and and brawling the, to end the show. Like so, uh, so we'll see. We'll keep that. I guess that's something to keep an eye on. WWE is on uh, a poaching spree i guess they are trying to uh trying to sign people so it's so it's that's interesting to keep an eye out for all right um so now getting ready to jump into the last segment of the podcast uh gonna wrap things up gonna basically break down and do a little bit of fantasy booking for uh the world champion of the world or uh, world champions of wrestling, <laughs> world champion of the world wrestling, uh, women's division. Um, so I'm going to go through my top 10, going to let you know who's in the top 10 and basically book out the feuds between uh, the people in the top 10 or basically give you the backstory on on the feuds between those people in the top 10 and and what the angles would be for television if I had a television show. So uh, here we go. Okay, so starting off in my women's division, we're going to start, uh, we're going to go from the top down. Uh, so starting with the champion, my champion is, that's a shitty drum roll, Bianca Belair. Uh, so I would have Bianca Belair as the champion. Uh, of course, her character would basically be the same thing that she's doing in NXT. Uh, she would be bragging uh, on herself as the best, um, undefeated in the promotion, uh, letting everybody know that you know she's more athletic, uh, she's stronger than the rest of the division. She's on top of everything. After she wins the title, basically backing up all her claims, we would have a debut from our number two ranked women's wrestler and first number one contender, uh, Jordan Grace. And so basically she would show up, uh, debut that night, do a couple streets uh, feats of strength, showing that she can match and surpass uh, Bianca Belair's strength and um, so that kind of freaks Bianca out a little bit. Um, they 
eventually have a match for the title and Bianca Belair has to cheek to win um not this is the first time the first person where she's just not more athletic or stronger or just better than somehow um so this this continues for a while um Bianca cheating to win matches uh until um finally Jordan gets her in a uh Jordan's able to win the belt and get uh Bianca in a no DQ street fight all right so now my third and fourth uh, who are also feuding. So, rank number three, one of my favorite uh, female wrestlers in the world, Tony Storm. And number four is the smoke show herself, Scarlett Bordeaux. Uh, their feud starts when Scarlett tries to get Tony to stop wearing the backwards ball caps and to embrace her inner smoke show. Uh, Tony tells Scarlett to back off. Uh, she dresses how she wants. Um, she does whatever she wants to do. You can't tell her anything. Scarlett continues to explain how Tony is losing out on marketing opportunities, endorsements, eventually becoming so frustrated with Tony not accepting her suggestions that she physically attacks Tony Storm. Um, Scarlett becomes obsessed with physically disfiguring Tony Storm because not taking the smoke show's advice makes you ugly. And Tony Storm's face needs to reflect how ugly she is on the inside for not listening to the smoke show. I think that could be a really interesting feud. Um, right now, Scarlett as the smoke show, um, I guess she's kind of heelish. Um, but it's more comedic. I think that with, uh, just with the climate, uh, right now with feminism and all that, like you have a opportunity to have a really interesting, um, and relevant heel in Scarlet. Um, so I think, uh, with this angle, you can kind of play up on that and, and make her almost like a, like a psycho crazy, uh, heel. Uh, which could be which could be kind of interesting and have the whole um, the whole uh, feminist uh, angle to play up on too, which uh, which could get her even more heat. Uh, so with uh, number five, we have Tessa Blanchard and number six, Britt Baker. So these two would be feuding against each other. And this feud revolves around the fact that uh, they both make their debut in the company within a couple weeks of each other. Like Tessa and then maybe two weeks later, Britt Baker. Or maybe like Tessa one week, Britt the next. Um, commentary and everyone in the company just both keep playing up the fact that both are two of the hottest uh, free agent signings uh, that could have been made from on the market. Two of the hottest free agents on the market both came to WCOTW, right? Uh, so it starts off, there's mutual respect uh, between both of them. Uh, both of them are uh, aware of each other's signings and 
they are both focused and uh, looking towards claiming that women's title for their own. Um, that mutual respect ends uh, once they have their first matchup between the two and Tessa loses. Um, Tessa believes that Britt Baker is good, but not as good as her. Uh, Tessa's family legacy entitles her to gold. Uh, she is a Blanchard. Her father was in the four horse, uh, the four horsemen. Like, you know, she's, she's not regular. She's wrestling royalty. So she doesn't need to climb the ladder like these others. She's already born to be at the top. So, uh, you know, Britt Baker beating her in a match, uh, that's, that's crazy. Like, you know, there must have been some mistake. Uh, you know, Tessa was off that night, but Britt Baker needs to accept her natural place in the order of things and in the order of wrestling. Uh, there are main event talents, there are mid-card talents, there are jobbers, and, you know, Britt's not a jobber, but she's, uh, you know, a really good hand. She's a really good mid-card talent, but Tessa, with her family, uh, she should be at the top. So uh, she's going to teach Britt a lesson and put her back in her place. Uh, so that's, that's basically the whole, uh, the whole gist of their feud. And I think we could get a lot of good matches out of it uh, and, you know, have, have some close matches where Tessa loses and, and then that desperation and, uh, and embarrassment and, and frustration with with Brit beating her and Brit not being uh you know wrestling royalty that I think that would just be really interesting to watch and with the way that we would do our feuds because we're not going to have the same matches on every week and we have different title divisions so uh you know it's not like each feud is going to be spotlighted every single week so you can uh, so you can kind of drag this out a little bit and have like, you know, a couple times a month uh, spotlight these feuds. Um, but in reality, like when you go through all the segments that we sh- that we show of the feuds, like, you know, you can drag this out for maybe three or four months uh, because they're only appearing, you know, twice a month on TV. You know what I'm saying? maybe even less um depending on what the story calls for uh, 7 and 8 so we're almost done here this is a this is a quick episode but uh you know it was it was a it was an interesting week this past week anyway uh, number 7 rosemary and number 8 candice LeRae. uh so this Personally, these last two feuds are the are my favorites, the ones I would want to see on TV the most. Uh, Rose, the feud begins when Rosemary debuts and she begins cutting mysterious promos about someone in the women's division. Uh, so we're not sure who she's talking about in the beginning. Uh, you know, Rosemary says that she was sent to help that person stop denying their true self 
and to unleash their darkness. Uh, these promos go on for weeks, uh, maybe like a month, a uh, month and a half, until finally Rosemary one day uh, attacks Candice LeRae uh, before a match. Uh, she, after, after the attack the next week, uh, Rosemary confirms that Candice is who she's been talking about this entire time. Um, she begins attacking Candice LeRae after all of her matches until Candice LeRae finally snaps and fights back. Uh, this leads to Candice going hardcore in a Monsters Ball match uh, with Rosemary. And after that match where Candice wins, Candice accepts her hardcore side and her and Rosemary become a team going after the women's tag titles. Uh, so I think that's I think that's interesting and that could be fun. Uh, Candice LeRae is the whole all American girl and just like the sweetest the the sweetest thing and that that her whole image and her whole look she has. Uh, I would keep her theme music similar to what she has in NXT. Um, just that whole wholesome image, uh, you know, blonde California girl uh, going up against rosemary uh the scary evil rosemary um and bringing out the hardcore side where candace can kind of tap into uh that candace larray that we saw against the young bucks uh with the with the bloody face and everything i think that would just be really interesting uh really fun tv um and 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 good stuff all right here we go, wrapping it up, guys. The last feud, number nine, Mickey James, number ten, Evelise. Uh, so this feud, I think, is uh, this might be my favorite. So uh, Mickey James is who Bianca Belair defeats for the title. Uh, so Mickey James' role in the promotion is that she's the She's basically the female Tanahashi. She's uh, been the ace. Uh, she's aging, um, but she's still highly respected and still quite the competitor. Um, but if she was going to say something like, you know what, I'm retiring, it wouldn't be totally crazy. And it's not because that's exactly what she's doing. Uh, so... After she loses to Bianca Belair, uh, she announces that she will be retiring the next year. But the rest of it, so she's announcing a year in advance she's retiring. So this last year in the promotion is going to be her final year. Uh, so what she wants to do, her goal is to work her way back up the ranks and back to the title uh, to win the title and then retire as champion. Um, after, so she announces her intentions. The crowd cheers for her. Uh, she's waving to the crowd. And as she's doing so, Ivelisse makes her debut in the promotion and attacks uh, Mickey James. She says that she won't retire as anything but a broken shell of herself if it's up to her. Uh, 
Ivelisse uh, feels, you know, she started wrestling when she was 14. Uh, she's been wrestling for a long time, too. Uh, she feels that she doesn't get the respect that she deserves. Uh, she feels that she's a legend in her own mind. She's done a lot. Um, she feels that she's just as good, if not better, than Mickey James. Why should Mickey James get uh, a year-long celebration of her career uh, because she announced that she's retiring? Um, she's retiring. Ivelisse is a brand-new signee, and she just showed up. She's going to be replacing Mickey James. Why isn't she getting all the fanfare? So... Uh, that's uh that's kind of Ivelisse's uh take on things and and why she's why she's uh deciding to get rid of Mickey, get rid of Mickey James. Um she just feels that Mickey James thinks she's entitled to all this uh this stuff from the fans and she's really not. Um and she's not as good as she thinks she is and so she's here to prove that. Um So her, uh, so her goal is to retire Mickey James, but not just retire her, retire her and put her on the shelf for good via injury. Um, Ivelisse wins their first match against each other. So Mickey James, of course, agrees to a rematch after that because she wants to get this win uh, and shut Ivelisse's mouth. Uh, Mickey James wins their second match, but Ivelisse in, uh, attacks her and injures her in uh, post-match beatdown. So Mickey James is out of action uh, for a few months, put on the shelf. Um, there is a battle royal match for uh, the number one contender's uh, tendership for the title. The number one contendership for the title. Um, so Mickey James makes a surprise return during this battle royal, eliminates Ivelisse, uh, to win the number one contendership for the title. Uh, and then Mickey James wins the title from Jordan Grace after Jordan Grace had beat, uh, after Jordan Grace beats, uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, so Mickey James wins the women's title, um... And she plans on retiring after she wins the title. Uh, but then Ivelisse attacks uh, Mickey James after that. Um, and then Mickey James agrees to give Ivelisse a title shot. Uh, Ivelisse agrees to the match, but... Uh, she says that James' career, Mickey James' career, has to be on the line as well. Uh, Mickey James is too proud to uh, turn that down, so she agrees to the match, and um, Ivelisse wins the title, uh, retires Mickey James, and then the new year. Uh, that, this is the end of the year show, and the new year starts in the promotion with Ivelisse on top as the heel champion, and Mickey James retired. Um, so that's it. That's the that's me booking uh, a year in the women's division in WCOTW. Let me know what you think. Uh, let me know what you think of this episode. Um, 
holler at me on Twitter. That's it, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. Next week, we'll have Ring of Honor on the show. Uh, next week, I will also cover NXT. Um, and next week, I'm going to have a special guest, uh, one of my homies who actually was at Hell in a Cell uh, today. So that's it, guys. Thanks for listening.